Hello, and thank you for joining us today on this Ropes and Gray podcast, the latest in our series of podcasts and webinars focused on ESG and corporate social responsibility issues. I'm Lindsay Goldstein, a partner in our asset management group based in New York. Joining me today is Josh Lichtenstein, a partner in our tax and benefits group who focuses on ERISA, also in New York. Today, we are going to be talking about ERISA planned fiduciary proxy activities, addressing what the existing regulatory guidance provides, as well as some of its ambiguities, and we'll also discuss what clarifications we hope new guidance will provide. One note before we get started, today's podcast is intended to provide a high-level overview of some key considerations you may want to bear in mind as you think about this space. We would be happy to discuss specific questions directly. With that, let's begin. Josh, the Department of Labor has already addressed the proxy voting activities of ERISA planned fiduciaries on a few different occasions in recent years. Why do you think the DOL feels the need to issue more guidance now? It's a great question, Lindsay. You're correct that the DOL has spoken on this and certain related topics several times recently, including in interpretive bulletins in 2015 and 2016, as well as a field assistance bulletin for its regional enforcement directors in 2018. In these bulletins, the DOL has consistently held to a long-standing view that proxy voting is part of the fiduciary obligation involved in prudently managing plan investments. In most cases, proxy voting and other shareholder engagement is relatively low cost and does not involve a significant expenditure of funds by individual plan investors, especially if the activities are undertaken by institutional investment managers who are managing those plan assets. Moreover, investment managers often engage consultants such as proxy advisory firms to further reduce the individual plan costs of researching proxy matters and exercising shareholder rights. However, as I discussed in a prior podcast, President Trump issued an executive order in April of 2019 calling for the DOL to undertake a review of existing guidance on the fiduciary responsibilities associated with proxy voting to determine whether any such guidance should be rescinded, replaced, or modified. And the justification for this was to ensure consistency both with current law and with policies that promote long-term growth and maximize return on ERISA plan assets investments. The review was supposed to be completed by December of this year. This has likely been a catalyst for the DOL to take further action with respect to proxy voting. There's also a more organic reason for new guidance, as the existing guidance contains certain ambiguities which have long confused planned fiduciaries, asset managers, and proxy advisors. So there's a strong desire in the ERISA plan community for greater clarity on these issues. Speaking of existing guidance, can we step back a bit and discuss the current regulatory framework for proxy voting on behalf of ERISA plans? Sure. In the 2016 interpretive bulletin that I mentioned before, the DOL stated that an investment policy that contemplates engaging in shareholder activities, which are intended to monitor or influence the management of corporations in which the plan owns stock, can be consistent with the fiduciary's obligations under ERISA, so long as the responsible fiduciary concludes there is a reasonable expectation that such activities either by the plan alone or acting together with other shareholders, are likely to enhance the economic value of the plan's investment in that corporation. And this is after taking into account the costs involved in exercising those rights. So this is effectively a cost-benefit analysis that the plan has to undertake. Examples of actions that may enhance economic value include engaging 
with companies to learn about their corporate governance practices, or company actions to manage environmental risks, human capital risks, facilities, stakeholder relations, and long-term access to critical resources. But these principles all rely on the assumption that proxy voting and other forms of shareholder engagement typically will not involve a significant expenditure of plan assets by any individual plan investor, because the activities are generally either not high cost inherently or are undertaken by institutional investment managers or third-party proxy advisory firms that can help to evaluate a course of action in a cost-effective manner. So, Josh, it seems like the current framework essentially describes a facts and circumstances analysis in which you need to weigh the pros and cons to determine whether or not special circumstances exist for an ERISA plan fiduciary to devote significant resources to proxy voting. Is that correct? You're exactly right, Lindsay. As with any facts and circumstances test, the result is unfortunately uncertainty, including on whether shareholder engagement would constitute a sound exercise of fiduciary discretion. As I noted before, many plan fiduciaries choose to have their asset managers that hold the relevant securities handle proxy voting matters, or where the plan either holds the security directly or cannot get the asset manager to handle proxy voting matters. They often hire a third party, such as a proxy advisory firm, either to vote on the plan's behalf or to give them advice. The challenge with hiring a third party, however, is that voting on the securities constitutes a fiduciary action itself. And as a result, the third party should be acknowledging its status as a planned fiduciary in writing. In reality, the contracts with these third parties are not always clear about what the status is and often don't contain this sort of acknowledgement. As a result, the common solution of relying on a third party to carry out proxy voting activities on behalf of the plan can often lead to uncertainty with respect to both what the status is of that third party under ERISA and whether the plan fiduciary has actually discharged its own duties just by hiring the third party or what level of monitoring may also need to be carried out. Now that we know that further regulatory guidance is forthcoming from the DOL, how can the agency address some of the ambiguities in their existing guidance? Well, according to the DOL's current regulatory agenda, the goal of the new guidance would be to, one, address practices that could otherwise present conflicts of interest associated with proxy advisory firm recommendations, two, ensure that proxy voting decisions are based on the best information available, and three, ensure that proxy voting decisions are solely in the interest of and for the exclusive purpose of providing plan benefits to participants and beneficiaries and plans. While there is no way to predict exactly what type of rule the Department of Labor will put out, at a minimum, it would be very helpful if the agency could provide further guidance on the level of reasonable diligence that it expects a plan fiduciary to carry out when it appoints a third party, either an asset manager or a proxy advisory firm, to carry out proxy voting activities. It would also be very helpful if the Department of Labor would create a safe harbor for plan fiduciaries who hire recognized authorities on proxy voting, as long as the fiduciary is continuing to appropriately monitor that third party. Thanks, Josh, for joining me here today, and thank you to our listeners. For more information on the topics that we discussed or other topics of interest to the asset management, ESG, and impact investing communities, please visit our website at www.robesgray.com. 
And of course, we can help you navigate any of the topics we discussed. Please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can also subscribe and listen to this series wherever you regularly listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.